Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Ross. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Kathleen Seal, and I will be your guide as we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from Our Missouri. Wow, that really sounds strange on the other side of the microphone. You could just say I sound strange. That's okay, Sean. We're all aware. You may know Sean Ross as the host of Our Missouri, but did you also know that he is a contributor to the website Historic Missourians? Historic Missourians is a website hosted by the State Historical Society of Missouri that features biographies of notable, some might say historic, Missourians, and is geared towards students who are learning about Missouri history. To open this season, we will feature a series on a few of these Historic Missourians biographies. Today, we are going to focus on a biography that Sean co-wrote with Doug Jennings on Paul Henning. So come listen to our story about a man named Paul. Oh, and by the way, welcome to our Missouri, Sean. Great to be back. So really delving into this, how did you find information out about Paul Henning? As a child of the 90s, you know, going back even into the 80s, I was not unaware of Paul Henning. I just didn't really know who he was. I guess that's a weird way to say it. But, you know, I had watched Beverly Hillbillies. I had watched Green Acres. I had watched Petticoat Junction um, on TV in, in rerun form. You could think of, uh, you know, shows and series like Nick at Night. So I was aware of this kind of cultural element of, of these various shows he had created. But I did not know, know yet who he was. Um, so I had often heard, you know, there was elements of the fact that those shows had connections back to Missouri, but it really wasn't until I worked on this biography with Doug uh, that we kind of looked at this kind of legacy of Paul Henning as a screenwriter, as a TV producer, and how his Missouri experiences really shaped the way that he wrote these later TV shows and some of his earlier works as well. So some of the major stuff that really influenced the, the crafting of this biography not only dealt with, you know, these TV shows in and of themselves, uh, but also books like Sarah K. Eskridge's um, Rube Tube, which looked at the kind of rise and fall of rural comedy in the 1950s into the 1960s on TV stations like CBS, and kind of the legacy of, the, of those with all kinds of different writers and producers and, and TV shows, but looking also included in that with Paul Henning. So that was uh, extremely crucial to kind of look at from that book's perspective, as well as the TV shows to kind of get involved and look over and, and craft a, a biography about the life of Paul Henning. Great. So did you find any resource that was particularly helpful in doing your research on Paul Henning? There was a period of time in which my children were wondering why I was watching so much Petticoat Junction and Beverly Hillbillies and even Green Acres why I was, you know, singing the theme songs from time to time. You know, it was easy to pull up these various TV shows on streaming services and to watch these older episodes. And it was, it was kind of crucial because, one, I needed to be able to explain these shows to an audience that may have never seen them. You know, how do you understand a show that someone crafted if you're not aware of the characters and the themes and, and kind of the, the, the long arc of the storylines? 
So it was important to, to watch those shows. And, you know, it was fun at the same time to kind of um, hear the music and remember the characters as I remember them. So those shows were really, really important um, to watch and to be familiar with and to be able to explain to this audience what these shows meant through these synopsis of, of the individual episodes and things like that. Additionally, the Television Academy uh, hosts the website, and over the course of several years, they conducted oral histories with hundreds of people connected with television and film and put those up online. So Paul Henning did an interview for that series in the 1990s where he remembered various moments in his life, all the way from his, from his family's history and his birth, all the way up to the present day there in the 1990s. So he offered a, a multi-hour long personal biography about his life and touched on key moments in those lives. So it was easy to develop this biography based upon his own remembrances and to kind of his hear his storytelling of these various events. Um, so that proved to be very, very helpful. So watching those shows was crucial. And then hearing Paul Henning's own description of moments in his life uh, was very, very fascinating and important to developing this biography. So talk a little bit about Paul's youth. Where did he grow up? So we think of Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres and, and Petco Junction as being based on kind of rural America, being based on the Ozarks. And Henning was not really from that world originally. He had developed some familiarity to it being from Missouri, but he actually grew up in Independence. Now, he did grow up on a farm um, in Independence, so he does have that farm background. His father was a wheat farmer, but he spends a majority of his early life in and around independence at a time it is growing there in the in the first two to three decades of the 20th century, and especially connected into the larger metropolis of Kansas City. So he attends local schools there in independence. He goes to Crispin High School. He's on the yearbook staff there. He actually is a, an editor and writer for The Gleam, which was the, the student uh, yearbook publication for Crispin High School. And then when it comes time to continue his education, he initially wants to go to the University of Missouri, um, but due to the Great Depression, his family cannot afford to send him there. So instead, he finds various odd jobs in and around Kansas City, and he begins to take night classes at uh, Kansas City School of Law, what later becomes essentially the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And through all that time, he kind of slowly begins to get connected into the musical, theatrical uh, performance spaces of Kansas City, initially utilizing his singing voice, singing voice to kind of uh, make a name for himself, and then later transitioning into being on the staff of KMBC Radio in Kansas City, which was a CBS affiliate, and slowly getting uh, connected with major shows there, including Happy Hollow, which was a, ma a pretty major uh, show of that era, um, doing news broadcasts, doing kind of anything that was requested of him at KMBC. And eventually he does meet his wife, Ruth Barth, there as well. And that becomes a major focal point of his transition and movement into kind of media and writing and radio at that time. So even though he ends up moving away from Missouri at some point in his life and actually spends quite a number of years outside of it, Missouri had a great impact on his career as a writer, as a producer of some of these things. You can see that influence for sure in some of these shows. Yeah, he, he often referenced the fact that, that his two major hits, Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction were based upon Missouri experiences. So he often told the story that Beverly Hillbillies was based upon the fact that when his family would travel in the Ozarks when he was a young child, he would meet Ozarkers and he would meet so-called hillbillies. And that was kind of what shaped some elements of the storylines uh, for that overall series. 
At the same time, his wife's family was originally connected with the Burris Hotel in Eldon. So his wife would tell stories about her memories about visiting Eldon and visiting family there at the hotel and the the railroad line that went in and around Eldon there. Uh, so Petticoat Junction then becomes a reimagined Eldon in many ways, where the, the community of Hooterville in, in the show is based upon Eldon and, and, the, and the Shady Rest Hotel uh, is based upon this Burris Hotel. So these two Missouri memories, one of, of from his own retelling and then one from his, his wife's memories, really shape the way he develops these two major series. And then, of course, Green Acres is a spinoff of Petticoat Junction. So all three of these major shows were based in many ways upon these Missouri memories that his family had. So what are some major moments in Paul Henning's career? So he starts out at KMBC. And he's working on a number of shows there, including, as I said, Happy Hollow. He begins to kind of get a, a prominence as a, as a writer and uh, elements of being a performer. And then he decides to move beyond Kansas City to kind of pursue this career in media and in, initially in radio. So he kind of connects up with radio performers like Rudy Valley. He, he connects with George Burns and Gracie Allen, who have a, a very prominent show at that point. And it's through... Uh, Allen and, and, and Burns, and he first gets his kind of jumping off point from radio into television. And from there, he travels between Chicago and California and New York, getting a, a kind of lay of the land in terms of radio and then ultimately television writing. Um, he eventually connects up with uh, Dennis Day, Ray Bolger, and Bob Cummings, help write for their various shows. And then that kind of all brings them out to California there by the, the mid 20th century. Um, and he kind of gets connected up with this burgeoning television movement to address rural comedies. This is um, kind of a focus on Western there in the 1950s on, in movies and in television. And there's a shift towards rural comedies, um, which are focusing on kind of small town life, on farming, uh, a very different perspective from, from other media at the time. So he's writing for shows like The Real McCoys. He's writing for The Andy Griffith Show. Um, and he's not so much a, a staff writer that's composing entire seasons or is, is a major uh, you know, producer or, or showrunner for those individual productions, but he's writing individual episodes or he's contributing scripts to those. And that really gets his foot in the door then to kind of help launch the Beverly Hillbillies and become a kind of a show creator and a show runner there uh, by the early 1960s. So over that span of time, then he is involved with the Beverly Hillbillies. He's, he's involved in creating Petticoat Junction and ultimately Green Acres at the same time over the course of the 1960s. So while you're doing your, your research on him, what did you come across that maybe not many people know about Paul Henning? Well, we often think of these, these three major shows as being the focal point of his career. And, and certainly later on, he, he kind of helps develop the memory of that through television movies and things like that. Uh, but he was also a very notable screenwriter for major Hollywood uh, film productions at the same time. He has two major films that come out in the 1960s that, that kind of garner him some attention beyond the television screen. He teams up with another writer named Stanley Shapiro, and he co-writes a romantic comedy called Lover Come Back, starring uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day, and Tony Randall in 1961. And that screenplay for that that he co-wrote later gets nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. So that alone gets him a, a lot of attention in, in, in Hollywood for that for not only his television shows which are coming out at that point, but also for this Academy Award nomination. And then in 1964, 
He co-writes with Shapiro a bedtime story, which stars Marlon Brando. The 1988 film Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Steve Martin. That film is basically a a repurposing of the earlier bedtime story. So both of those films are, are kind of notable in the 1960s there. And I think a lot of people wouldn't realize just how successful he was, although not, albeit not as long of a career, but still important uh, as a film uh, screenwriter uh, in addition to his work on television. So he has quite a long and, and quite successful career, but what maybe key points do you think students should take away from his biography? What, what would you consider his legacy? I think the legacy in a lot of ways is twofold. One is that kind of cultural legacy is, you know, it's it's a pretty big deal to create a single show, um, you know, to be a one hit wonder as the terminology goes. For that show to be on the air for a couple of years and then maybe get canceled, that that's still a big deal. To have a show reach syndication to where it's being shown in rerun form or, you know, to use the terminology today, you know, streaming services and things like that. Uh, is a pretty big deal, too. To have three shows, though, that have successful runs on television in their own time, but then all three to also be syndicated and be in rerun form and be shown what is now 50 years later, almost 60 years later, is is quite substantial. Um, so I think the cultural legacy of that is is quite important. And extending beyond that, too, is you also have you know, people who have a familiarity with these shows who may have never seen them in their original runs. I think that is significant. People who could still perhaps sing the theme songs just because they are are so catchy and so popular and people may not realize that Paul Henning actually wrote The Ballad of Jed Clampett, which was the theme song for the Beverly Hillbillies. And then it extends on into elements of, you know, uh, everything from, you know, the portrayal of hillbillies and things like that um, in kind of a cultural sense. The Ozark Extravaganza, which was held at the Vichy Airport for a long time, had uh, Donna Douglas, uh, Ellie Mae Clampett as kind of a featured performer, a featured guest at, at that festival. And in fact, uh, eventually she gets kind of her name on, as the kind of headliner of that, too. So even for Missourians, uh, that becomes another key element of, of that as well. And the second one really is just how dominant this run was in its own day. In the biography, we included a, a, a page out of a city newspaper showing you basically the TV lineup for uh, this particular date in the late 1960s. And at that point in time, three nights a week, you could watch a new episode of a Paul Henning show, whether it be Beverly Hillbillies or Green Acres or Petticoat Junction. And on top of that, then five of the seven days of the week, you could then also watch a rerun at some point during the day. So to tell people that five out of seven days of the week, a Paul Hitting show was on your television, I think is, is, is extremely significant in a lot of ways. So you have kind of the dominance of its day, its run in syndication and through reruns, and then kind of the cultural element in a lot of ways too. I mean, I know, Katie, you've seen that too with looking over kind of the Ozarks extravaganza, just how much of Paul Hitting's legacy kind of seeps into that too. Yeah, there was definitely an enduring quality to his work, to these shows in particular. And I would say not just for the Ozarks, where, you know, I imagine a lot of people from the Ozarks very much identify with that show or find some, I guess, similarities and, and comfort to maybe some of the characters or some of the places that are, are shown in there because it feels like home to them. But I can remember, you know, in my childhood, so, you know, 30 years after they're no longer on the air, 
reruns are being shown and you hear the song and you're immediately transported back to those childhood memories of watching those shows. I do want to take a moment and explain to perhaps younger listeners of the audience of what a TV guide is. There used to be a time where you had no idea what was going to be played unless you got it. Sometimes they came as separate TV guides. Usually they're with the newspapers. And then you would have the list of that week's shows and times and stations. So you knew what time and what station to tune in to a particular television program. The significance of, you know, with streaming, it's it, you might be able to find old shows. I mean, you can find more than you, you ever could imagine on streaming now. But uh, someone had mentioned the fact that children of this generation now will not have the same experience of discovery on TV no. uh, in the sense of like, oh, this is an old movie that's just on TV because it's the only thing that's on TV. And you end up watching it just because it's the only thing that's on, you know, that element of discovery of being having a familiarity with kind of cultural landmarks that were prior to your generation just because it was on TV. Whereas now there's, there is, unless you kind of know to look for it or you stumble upon it, it's just not the same. Well, you can binge watch all these shows now today. You know, you can watch Petticoat Junction and Green Acres and Beverly Hillbillies now and, and kind of get enveloped in it. And for some have memories of, of watching the show in its original run. For others of, you know, seeing an episode that you may have seen in a rerun again, you know, talking about the cement pond or ciphering or, or things like that. Or, you know, people could find it for the first time and then have their own reaction to it, good or bad. So I think I think that's something to consider. Yeah. Delve into the world of Paul Henning that he created through these shows. Definitely worth it. So, Sean, I just want to thank you for allowing me on here to host and thank you for coming on to the Our Missouri podcast. It was a pleasure to be in the hot seat for once. All right. Thank you all for listening and y'all come back now. You hear? Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri. <laughs>